The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? History repeats itself, and that's why it's really important that we have these conversations, because whether it's the cigarettes or body positivity, like our empowerment is going to be associated to social acts and products. And until we take ownership of defining what that is for us and really like combing through a lot of this information to understand how history does repeat, we're not really independent. Because knowledge is power. We're not saying yeah. that the you know that you can't have models that that show off uh, no. beauty products or anything like that. It's that you need to know that you're mm-hmm. being targeted. Right. And you can buy products, right? Like so this is the thing. We love products, but but are you being lied to and are you being manipulated? And one of the things when it comes to the, the skinny beauty ideal um, and why that was so powerful was because it was synonymous with everything that you're repressing about yourself. Hi, friends. So excited to be sitting down with Katie Wilcox today on the podcast. And I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about this episode and why I love her so much in just a second. Super stoked about the Life Reset course, my new online course that I developed for everybody who's been DMing me over the last several years about how did I do it? How did I go from pretty wild and epic meltdowns, heroin addiction, chaotic family to living the life that I have today. And I created the Life Reset, how to recover from your reality course just for you guys. We're diving in deep. We're getting over all of the Band-Aid solutions that we've been offered, whether it's, you know, CBD or Whatever it might be, we need to get to the very, very root of what is going on. And while all of those other things are great and self-care is amazing, we actually need to get down into our subconscious programming, look at what our negative belief systems are. And until we do that, we cannot move forward. Speaking of subconscious belief systems, we're diving in deep into that today with Katie Wilcox. Katie Wilcox founded the amazing Instagram account, Healthy is the New Skinny, which is also a blog. She created this personal blog with the purpose of speaking out against the harmful body measurement requirements for models in the fashion industry. She realized that there was much more involved with the collective self-loathing women experience when it comes to their bodies. Unexpectedly, the HNS Instagram page turned into a social movement, driving the conversation about body positivity and self-love. In 2017, Katie published her first book, Healthy is the New Skinny, Your Guide to Self-Love in a Picture-Perfect World. Katie's book serves as a roadmap for girls and women to battle the media and societal pressure to be small by choosing authentic health and wellness instead. Over the years, the Healthy is the New Skinny community evolved into an online athletic apparel shop, which featured healthy and empowering messages. Katie also began to travel the country as a keynote speaker for events like Wanderlust Festival in Hawaii, Tahoe, and Hollywood. And she has hosted workshops in partnership with Shape Magazine and is giving countless lectures at high schools, colleges, universities on the topic of body image and media influence. I'm just letting you guys know now that this episode is not going to be one that's super politically correct. This is not going to be your typical body positive uh, conversation. It's so much more than that. We're talking about the history, the way that social media influences the way that we think, um, and how to find balance in this world that tells you that you need to look a certain way. We are diving deep. Katie knows what she's talking about. She doesn't just talk the talk. She walks the walk and she's overall just one badass woman. And I'm so grateful that she decided to come on the podcast. So with that, that here is the episode. 
I always try my best before my guests come on to not talk too much because I feel like we're missing all of the juice. But um, we started this conversation talking about some heat that you had come under in the last week or so over referencing. How about you just clarify for me what it was? Well, I think overall, like we are in a very weird place as society and everybody's feeling it where it's like we're living through social media and we're like, be yourself, but not like that. Speak your truth, but not if it's different than mine. And it's like, if we challenge women to think outside of the box, I think a lot of times that gets perceived as an attack because our identity is so focused on our bodies. And we've never had more content telling us we are our bodies than we have today. Like before, it used to be Victoria's Secret where we're like, oh, I just want to be like hot and skinny. And we saw those images everywhere out in the world. But now we see 900 messages about body every day on our phones, all various whatever messages. And the majority of them, the reality is it's easier to post that you like your body than it is to actually do that and to live that way. So one of the things that I've noticed, and I study all of this stuff, like I give lectures on it. I know the history. I know the psychology. And that was because I had to find that out for myself. I've been every size. I always was obese as a kid. I played sports. I got into modeling and was considered a plus-size model at 5'10", almost 5'10", a size 10, 12. And they're like, you'd be great for a plus-size at 17. And I'm like, uh, did you just call me fat? Like, what? And this is 15 years ago when this all started. So I had a baby. I was up to 220 pounds there. I'm back yeah. down to my healthy weight. I literally have gone the full spectrum of information and looking into this to be like, how is this still a thing? So I posted being a businesswoman myself, opening my own agency at 25. We're now a multi-million dollar company before everyone made fun of it. It was like, this will never be anything. It was definitely ahead of the time. And we represent curve models and everything from a size six to even 22. Which pause. (laughs) Because so what you did was you looked at the plus size modeling industry and you said, well, if you can only be a zero to two to be a standard model and you have to be over a size 10 to be a plus size model, where's just like the average woman who sits between like a six and a 10? Right. And it's shocking to me because I'm a size six. And I was just telling you this experience that I had where this designer wanted to send me a dress and they asked for my hip measurements and I gave them my waist. I think my bust was, you know, 34. And then I went down to my waist and it was a 35 or a 36. And they were like, "Ooh, sorry. And I was like, do you even know what I I look like a normal woman? Mm-hmm. Like, No, not even a normal woman, because just I just read an article online that said, um, it was actually a really interesting article about like size and obesity and all these conversations that we're having. And 70% of the United States would be in the like plus size category, 70%. Yeah. So when you say, oh, I'm a normal woman, you're actually like in the percentage that is way below wow. the national average. So this is why it's so complex, right? There's and so it's much going into it. because we're not taking an account of, uh, you know, my little sister is taller than I am and has a different frame. Mm-hmm. And she's still healthy. 100%. But yeah. she weighs more than I do. And so I guess she would be considered obese, which is insane because she's active and just has a different body type than I do. So it's it's like we we really do need to start taking a look at health-wise and in the you know medical industry, like what actually is obesity and when does it get dangerous? Right. And what are the health outcomes for height, weight, genetics, all of these things need to come into play. It can totally. no longer just be about weight. Yes. And that the article is really interesting, actually, because it was talking about my all of my family are physicians. So they only in med school, they only do one or two seminars. It's like a lecture on nutrition. They don't actually, they're not educated in nutrition at all, which is fascinating when you're talking about like the huge component of health is what you're putting into your body. They're not. Your food is literally your medicine. What you put into your body tells your cells and your DNA what to do. Right. Especially when they're mixing in all of these different chemicals and preservatives. And, And if you look at, there's a really great Instagram. I fall off to find it. 
But they were comparing the same products here versus in Europe. And the the additives in ours versus theirs is like a list of like 40 different things America that they don't have. America is literally spreading obesity all over the world. Yeah. And I will post this week that I do this, um, a, a piece on this in my story so that way you can uh, learn about how our trade policies and how um, our mass production of corn is literally spreading obesity around the planet. And listen, guys. I just want to be really clear. As Katie said, she's been all sizes. As I said in my previous posts on Instagram and on here, I have been overweight before in my life. I've also dealt with eating disorder. And I, I just want to say that we're not here to vilify not the all. way you eat. And I don't blame the mother who goes through McDonald's five days a week for going through McDonald's five days a week. That's how I Because of the way that we are target marketed, the way that social media companies and ad companies know how to target at parts of your brain that make you see something. They've done this in toddlers mm -hmm. where they've seen something enough. And then it makes, that's why when you see the Fruity Pebbles logo, your kids go, oh, I want the one with the toucan up there or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. Your kids know this. And so we're being programmed to become addicted to sugar. A hundred percent. And grains. Especially children. Because if they get addicted young, then they're addicted it, for life. For life. Yeah. And not only that, but... We also understand the economic component of this and how difficult it is to access healthy, nutritious foods when you're on food stamps. A hundred percent. And it's also, so I was raised by a single mom. And so mm -hmm. we, that was our living it was like mac and cheese box, which was what, like 40 something cents and like hot dogs and hot pockets. And I was just talking to a friend of mine and I was like, yeah, we used to wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I'm having a hot pocket for breakfast. That was literally my breakfast. And I ate fast food every single meal. And so, and it wasn't, I also talked to my mom about this because she's like, look at that time too, it wasn't just like Yes, it was money, but it was also like if you looked at the food chart, it said to eat more carbs. carbs. Like carbs was then like what you were supposed bottom. to eat. Yes. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot. It's always been disinformation. And then it turns into this thing where now you have shame and guilt and like public judgment that compiles onto trauma. Mm -hmm. And then it's like food is a relationship. So yeah. no one ever told me that. So when I went to um, college and I stopped playing sports and I had to like live on my own for the first time. I was so lonely and depressed and living in New York City. And I was like comfort eating. Like I almost would like zone out and just like overeat because I was so unsettled in myself that that settled me. And I didn't even know I was doing that till older when I was able to rationally like evaluate my behavior and go, oh my gosh, I wasn't, I was doing that because I wasn't getting my needs met as a person. Not yeah. because I was a piece of shit person with no, um, you know, like willpower, like it wasn't even that. So, yeah. so I think it's approaching. The psychological it. component is very real, and they have done studies that show the way that carbs and sugar actually trigger dopamine responses yep. in the brain and give you that pleasure reward system the same way drugs and alcohol do. Yeah. I also think it's interesting in Johan Hari's book, um, Lost Connections. The CDC and Kaiser, I believe, did a study around obesity and why obese women would lose weight and then gain it right back. And what they found was close to fifty. 50% of the women who were really morbidly obese had been sexually abused. Uh, yep. Have you ever, do you watch 600, My 600 Pound Life? Uh, I can't watch that. Okay. It I, breaks. I watch it my because <clears throat> every single one of them has either childhood sexual abuse or some form of trauma as mm -hmm. a child. Like, so if instead of looking at people with that societal judgment, which does come from the skinny beauty ideal, because, well, and we can get into this, the psychology of the skinny beauty ideal is on purpose. Like what they did is through, I just posted a video on this. So we have to understand how our, our brain stores information. So Sigmund Freud was the first one to realize we have a conscious mind that's present and aware and our subconscious mind. So for those of you listening, think of it like an iceberg. So the huge part of the iceberg that is below the surface is your subconscious mind. And that's where you're storing a lot of information. When yes. we talk about how many ads you're seeing per day, it, they argue it's anywhere from 3,500. But now with social media, we know it's more than that. So I say this at my presentation. What's the last ad that you remember seeing? 
Uh, exactly. So don't you know. exactly <laughs> don't but, even know. But you saw right probably, here, dear media. Thank you. But you probably <laughs> saw a thousand today yeah. already. So it is being stored. You're reading it. You're in, you're taking in images. It's having messaging, but you're not recalling it. It stores in your subconscious. And then if I say, "Hey, have you seen that Super Bowl commercial?" and I trigger that, you're going to recall. Oh, yeah, I did see that. So it's still stored there. You just haven't assessed it as pertinent or important until you need to recall it. So that's why it's really dangerous with media, because if you're not consciously evaluating what you're consuming, it can affect your decision making, your belief system, and it can persuade you to participate in behaviors you wouldn't otherwise if you weren't conscious of it. So the perfect example of that comes from when they convinced women to start smoking in the 1950s. So Edward Bernays is Sigmund Freud's nephew. He used to work in Europe doing propaganda for war. So when they only had newspapers, they realized you can print whatever the hell you want. This is the only outlet. And we can sway people to act a certain way out of fear by making up these stories to get the votes that we want. We're doing this now in media and in politics. So he realized you can take this into advertising and be really successful in getting people to buy these products. So he was the first one that a lot of different things. He realized that if you put a lab coat on people, that they were like ninety-four. They were ninety-four yes. times more likely yep. to to value the product. Because the whole idea of show up who you want to be in the yep. world. Yeah, and I used to laugh when I when I realized that I was like, you know, you'll see ads from like Clinique and different things, yeah. and if you read the fine print, it says an approved by our clinicians or, you know, technicians or whatever. And I'm like, is that also Susie in the back who does your <laughs> social media and has a lab coat on? Like, yeah. who are these technicians? Um, so it was things like that. He also was the first person that realized that he could take his movie stars that he represented and connect products to them in movies. So he he was the first one to do all of these things that we're seeing now. So what really shifted as far as the female empowerment message, which is something we should all be very conscious of, is that in 1950s, women weren't allowed to smoke in Europe. So it was against, you know, social acceptance that only men could smoke. So uh, George Hill was leader of the tobacco company. He went to, to Edward Bernays and said, like, how can we convince women to smoke? We're losing half of our customer base. We could be doubling our profit. And he took that to psychoanalysts and said, hey, what do cigarettes symbolize to women? So when they did that, they said, oh, cigarettes symbolize male dominance or the male penis, basically. So they said, if you can convince women that by smoking, they're challenging male dominance, then they'll smoke. So they came up with a fake PR campaign. They hired socialites, like a Kim Kardashian type, to light up at the Easter Day Parade, like super glamorous and sexy. They paid off the paparazzi, and then they printed a news article in all of the newspapers called Torches of Freedom. So they said suffragettes were lighting up in protest for women's liberation. And so that just goes to show you why we have to be so careful with all of these movements, like who's actually starting the movement. Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about Daily Harvest. As someone who's pretty health conscious, I'm always trying to be mindful of what I eat, even my quickest meals. And as a busy mom of two, I am always on the go. And that is why I love Daily Harvest. They deliver food that you want to eat but don't have to make right to your door. Daily Harvest makes it easy to eat more fruits and vegetables, with thoughtfully sourced chef-crafted foods that can be prepared in five minutes or less. They work directly with farms to harvest organic fruits and vegetables at their peak and freeze them within 24 hours to lock in those nutrients. Everything stays fresh until you're ready to enjoy it. Choose from over 65 different options like smoothies, hearty soups, harvest bowls, and overnight oats. Each recipe takes one step to prepare with room to make them your own. Add your favorite milk, blend up a smoothie, or heat up a harvest bowl and top it off with an avocado or a fried egg. Personally, my daughters and I are obsessed with the smoothies. We drink them on a pretty much daily basis at our house. And one of my favorite things to do is throw in some almond milk and a scoop of collagen, get some protein in them in the morning, and then out the door and off to school in under five minutes. Whether you're at your desk, on a hike, or on your way to the gym, Daily Harvest is the easiest way to have a delicious and nutritious meal or snack. Right now, go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code REALITY to get $25 off your first 
box. That's promo code reality for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. Hi, I'm Heather McMahon. I'm an actress, comedian, living at home with my mother. On the Absolutely Not podcast, we'll laugh, we'll cry, we'll probably prank phone call our ex-boyfriends because honestly, they were the worst. The thing that makes our podcast different is I get to hear it directly from you. You can always pick up the phone and catch us on the Absolutely Not line. Don't forget to subscribe, rate us, and leave a message, but of course, only if it's a nice one. Tune in to the Absolutely Not podcast, and I'll see you soon. So back to me so, getting shit this yes. weekend. <laughs> okay, we kind of got off track, but I wanted to go but now back you have there. The backstory. Yes. So, so for people that you know on social media, there's never any reference, right? Like we. So I have a book on this. I've studied this. I speak about this. This has always been my message. So when I when I'm talking, I'm talking from this context of behavior. It's behavioral science. So if you're not aware of that and you just read something that I'm saying, then you're going to go, oh, like she's hating on me, shaming me, whatever. So my whole point of what I was saying was how many powerful women outside of the world of Instagram, because we have to acknowledge working on your job being Instagram and your job being out in the real world in the workforce is a night and day different experience for women. We have to acknowledge that, that when the messaging we're receiving on Instagram of what a powerful woman is, is not translating in the real world. It works for, for influencers. And there's a formula that we all know we well, see and it works. Well, because they're the woman with the cigarette exactly. saying, fuck you. Exactly. But the rest of the women in the world are overworked, underpaid, and exhausted mothers. Dealing with the good old boys club with, at the top. Mm-hmm, yep. And, and, and they freaking, can't show up the yeah. same way that the women show up on social media. You cannot sexualize yourself and show up in an environment that's male-dominated and get respect. Not that it should be that way, right? Like, we're not saying, oh, it's, now it's slut-shaming. That's what the conversation went to because I was posing the question to say, how many of these powerful women in the real world, not on Instagram, because I acknowledge this is different, in the real world can show up and jiggle their body around in slow motion and still make progress in their profession. None of them are doing it. And so why are we not allowed to ask that question? Why can't we examine our behavior that's becoming so popular and becoming the cigarettes and becoming a trend and say, is this really what's moving us forward? Because what is the point of body positivity? In my interpretation and understanding, the point of loving your body and being, because women have been taught to hate themselves. So if we were to heal that, the whole point is to move past your body. Body. And that's always been my argument is that it doesn't matter. Your bo- It's not about your body. It's about your mind. Right. Our mind is what's going to progress us forward. Being smarter, being wittier. Well, we don't being, like smart women. I know. We don't. So we, we don't. shut them up mm-hmm. and we say you should just jiggle your body on Instagram instead. Right. And if you challenge with intelligence, you yeah. know, like I can post a sexy photo or I can post a body shot and it I'll get it'll get the top likes that I have I just posted this this IGTV about the cigarettes and it'll get like you know it got like a thousand views right and that's the reality that we're in and it's not just like women and so is that beneficial is that beneficial when we're looking at social media and the same thing is true for me I'll write write these whole long thought out stuff about mental health and Mm -hmm. whatever else the things that people actually need to be focused on And it gets a thousand likes. Mm -hmm. But then when I post some pop culture photo or whatever it might be, or me on a red carpet, it gets 7,000 likes. So we have to look at why we're allowing ourselves to be socially conditioned to these responses. And it's not that one's bad. And this is why we have to go, look, when we have these conversations, we're not like if we want people to be liberated, then they have the the freedom to choose. But we cannot ignore what's driving yes. our decision making. And when you get a th- seven thousand more likes on something for the way you look, if you are not conscious and knowing your value isn't coming from there, you are going to post content that gets you those likes on a subconscious level, even if you're rationally justifying it. No, but they know. All of them. All of the skinny girls know and all of of the girls who are in the positive body positivity message know that when they post a picture in the bra and in the panties and whatever else, that 
they are going to get more likes and it's going to help their engagement and then they're going to be able to sell more products and whatever they're those making products a might be and they're making a making living a online killing. and what a killing and and, and gr- by all means i get it i get the mm-hmm. hustle but let's not pretend that yes. when you see a picture of someone some ideal whether it's um body acceptance and i say that in quotes or to be a fitness model you're not really ever going to look like that because in order to look like that you'd have to be that person and you're not that person you're perfectly you and that's all that matters it's like you want to get healthy you want to work out you want to do all these things great but you're not going to look like the fit you know the bbg girl you're not because unless that's your genetics and unless that's exactly how you look it's not and it comes into like so many different categories of this conversation because where we come from, like I've had the message of healthy as the new skinny for since Instagram started. We never went sexual with the images when a lot of those, the curve models were, it was like all ass and wet t-shirt stuff. And then it was like body positive content in the caption. Yeah. And I was like, and this isn't to say that those women aren't sexy. No. They're fucking of fire. Course. I love it. When I saw Lizzo on the beach in her red yes. bikini, I was like, fuck Yes. But you know what I love With about Lizzo? With her perfect hair. Like, I, I'm so here for it. But what I would love to see is women stop with the disclaimer, right? If you think you post a sexy picture and you think it's hot, I would love to just see women own it and just say, I think I look hot in this picture. Instead of, I used to hate myself and now, uh, da, 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 da. You're like, you just thought you looked hot. Just own it. Like, that's part of owning your sexuality. That's part of owning your body. Like, why do we have, why does the narrative have to be suffering? And this is why mm, it's- I love that wait pause why does the narrative have to be suffering when it comes down to our bodies yep in life and for women in general the narrative is suffering where are Mm. we celebrating like women that are victorious and i know when i post just a cute thing about my kids no likes it's like but when i post about being raped when i was five as a child then it's like way more it's like yes. what are we just yeah. like it all like right. enjoy the whole person if you don't enjoy the per- every aspect of the person that you're following why are you following if you only like one little narrow frame of my life mm-hmm. then like what's the point point? and I am very fortunate to not make my living on social media and so I feel like it makes me like a free agent <laughs> Mm-hmm. where I can be honest. And I do. I just post whatever I like. And I don't care about how many people like it. I don't care if people want to collab with me. If they do and it works for me, great. I, I don't care. And so it's been very freeing for me. And I understand the women because I work with models. So I understand the pressure that they're under, right? Like this is an immense amount of pressure. And we're not saying if if the modeling industry has moved to Instagram, mm-hmm. fine, Work the game, girl. But let's not pretend, you right. know, there can that be you're not working the game. There can be transparency. And I work with our models on this because they come to me. And this is the perception, right? Like when you meet all of these girls in real life, you know, it's not what it looks like they online. They don't look, they they, don't they look they the don't same. Look I can't same. tell you how many events I've gone to where I was like, oh. Dude, it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay. You know? Yeah. Or who is that? Like, I'll get yeah. girls that even submit to us Happy online. to say you look exactly oh. the same. <laughs> Thank you. You too. <laughs> but girls will submit to us online. Yeah. And we get, you know, every time I check our submission email, it's like 400. I go through them so fast. Like, I literally have my finger on the delete button because there's so many. And it's fascinating, like, what people send in. Like, I'll get submissions to be a model and someone sends in a picture with the dog filter on their face, like, as a submission to be a model. Or it's a selfie, like, a full-body selfie, but the phone covering their face. Or it's, you know, very strange. Like, so, again, when we're having these conversations, these are very complex conversations. And when we're having them, we're having them as, like, girls. Like, our our teenage girl self has part of this conversation, our little girl self, our woman self now, and also our business self of all the things we've experienced that a lot of people online have no idea what we're talking about. So it makes it very hard to follow along because we are like, dude, we've seen this shit. Like we know the difference between what is marketing, what's real, yeah. what people, we, I can tell if someone's filtered and Photoshopped their pictures in two seconds. Mm-hmm. Like all of that, I just, that's the business we're in. So we know it and we know how to do it, right? Like we can recognize it and we could take that option if we want to. Yeah. And I want every woman listening knowing you can too. There will never be a day that you will not be able to sell your body as a woman. Never be a day. This is always going to be a viable option for you. And if that's your only option, no judgment. No you know what? judgment at that's, all. That nope. might be 
be it for you. And if that's what you But that doesn't do, mean that this conversation is not important. Right. This conversation is, I would argue, more important. Well, but that comes back to options. So for me, you could do the same thing. I could do the same thing. But there was something in me that was like, that's not me. And even though I looked the part, I could play that game. I can write up a long-ass caption that'll win the world. That's not me. It's not real. And I can't spend my life in that space. That's mm-hmm. never going to be fulfilling for me, no matter how much money I'm going to make doing it. Yeah. And it's okay if you feel that way. If that's, if that's in your heart and it's telling you and you're really struggling being online and you're really struggling with this, like, conformity, because that's what it is, is social conformity, then you owe it to yourself to try something else that is you. Yeah. And it's not going to get praised. It's not going to be, you're not going to get a shit ton of followers for it, but at least you can go to bed and feel good to know like you are owning your own shit. Yeah. And that's what I had to do. I was like, I can't be here for everyone else. I have to be here for myself. Like this is my experience. And when things happen, like with Kobe Bryant and this hor- like horrible tragedy that was so hard on me, especially when you have children. It's like it really hits you so hard because you look at your babies and you're like, I can't even talk about it. Like that's how hard it is. And then I put it in perspective where I'm like, at the end of my life, am I really going to go, yeah, I had a lot of hot, you know, body shots on Instagram that got me a lot of followers. I would be devastated with myself if that was my story. I guess in some of their argument would be, well, but I'm empowering all of these women to wear the bathing suit to the beach and do the same. Are you though? Like, so, so, but this was my thing. So then I'll see those posts, right, where they're in this gorgeous location, um, you know, experience that a lot of people don't even get to have. And the conversation's still on like being self-conscious. I'm like, so even when you're somewhere beautiful in the world, we still have to talk about this thing, you know? And it's like, I think what it was for me, like the however many years ago that I was, you know, seeing when we were first seeing different bodies, right? Like yeah. th- that was a thing. Like we had never seen different bodies in swimsuits 10 yeah. years ago. And I mean, I, and I've unfollowed a lot of accounts that may have made me feel uncomfortable about my body or that promote diet culture. And I followed a lot of body positivity. You know, the first one that comes to mind is I weigh, and I'd love to get your input and feedback about what you think about that. But, you know, we, I moved. And when I saw that, when I saw bodies that looked like mine, and I openly talk about the fact that I've altered my body. I've had a time. I had a mommy makeover Mm -hmm. and I would do it over again. And I feel fucking confident in saying that. But here's the difference is like, I'm not here to pretend that I haven't had a fucking mommy makeover because I had a plastic surgeon put my tits back up and get that (laughs) loose excess skin off my stomach and sew my muscles back together. And I don't have any shame about that. And that's fine. But I think the question and I want to go back to Iway, but I think the question is this, like... (sighs) When I started this podcast, when I wrote my book, when I decided to start becoming more active on Instagram, it was with the intention of helping people talk more openly about addiction and mental health. And I'd argue that are these accounts that are really heavily focused on our body, whether you're the fitness model or the body positivity person, really helping people? No. I don't think well, so. Well, statistically, they're not. So so this is something not. that we have to to really, again, pay attention to. If yeah. they were helping people, then we would see a difference in the data of young girls and self-esteem. Yes, and, and self-esteem. And it's, so that's— It's getting worse. Suicide's on the rise. On the Depression's rise. on so the rise. So that's it's why worse. I'm like—so we—I'm <laughs> seeing all these things. I'm seeing half a million people dying from drug overdoses in the last decade. I'm seeing all this stuff, and it doesn't get news, and it doesn't get me followers, but I'm going to keep fucking talking about mm-hmm. it because it's what's important. Yeah. I don't really care about— you know, the, all of the other stuff you're going to, if you go to the beach and wear a bikini and you're a size eight or a size two, if your mental health is seriously struggling, you're not going to fucking feel good regardless. Totally. And at the end of the day, like, you know, what helps people is all relative. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that, um, I personally don't relate to the story, like the suffering story, because I have like a fighter spirit, you know, like I'm like, no, fuck this. Like, you know, and I, I desperately look for women like that. And I love Amanda Seals because she literally tells people to fuck off. Like I just, and it gave me so much confidence because she's so, even if I don't agree with everything she says, why do we think we have to? Like, that's such a weird 
thing. I don't have to agree with everything someone says. I still love her as a woman because she loves herself. Like, she owns her shit. Like, I've never seen someone own their shit online. This is why I love Jackie Schimmel, y'all. When I put out Jackie's episode, everyone was like, oh, God, this is the woman that I hate in the world. This woman's (laughs) such a bitch. She's so judgmental, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, she's fucking authentic. Yes. Well, I I just read a meme about that that said, to the woman that you called a bitch and something else, like, I really want to meet this empowered self-assured yes. woman. I was yes. like, that's the yes. difference. But even look at call-out culture right now, um, which is another huge problem, right? Huge. Um, but Ugh. look at the difference of the things that women are being called out for. It's all the things they say. Like, they're calling men out for being, like, full-on rapists Rapist. and still will be defended to the death for mm-hmm. being full-on rapists. And women say, like, one opinion that someone doesn't agree with. And we— They tear them to shreds. Horrible. It's this most, and that's the double standard of what women are up against. So we say, and this is why women voted for Trump. Yep. Because it's a complete double standard. We, in our, and you talked about subconscious belief systems and this programming that happens when we're very little girls. I mean, your subconscious belief systems really develop between age zero to seven and all the way up to 14, some would say. And it's a product of our environment and what we're seeing in our environment. And and they shape our inner dialogue and those in, that inner dialogue becomes our thoughts. Our thoughts become our, war, our words and our words become our reality. And so here we are where we've got, like you said, in this cancel call out culture where um, we're, you know, shaming women for having opinions <laughs> yep. that alter even a little bit from um, what people, the woke crowd would say. And and here's my, my thing. If the pendulum is all the way to the right and then it swings all the way to the left, is that balance? Right. No, no. it's not. And I'm a middle person in politics. I'm a middle person in body positivity and health. I'm about balance and I can understand perspectives on both sides. And I hate that we even have to say that because here's the thing. It's it's not that I'm right or left because I'm definitely far more left than I am right right now. Um, uh, but I'd say that it, it comes down to human rights. Yeah. Right? And we, just being it, a and good just person. being yes. a good person. I consider myself a pretty active person. I mean, like I'm a mom that runs around after my kids all day. But I actually love to get into the gym. I love doing HIIT workouts, Pilates, yoga, especially hot yoga. Um, All of these things are things that I really, really enjoy doing. I'm always looking for something that can give me a natural edge so I can be better and get more out of my workouts. That's why I started taking Beat Elite from Human. And I know when you hear beat, you're like, beats? But yes, I'm telling you, it's beets. It doesn't taste like beets, though. It tastes like black cherry, and it's absolutely delicious. I notice a huge difference when I take Beet Elite before my workouts. It's probably because it can help extend your endurance, improve your energy and stamina, and increase oxygen delivery throughout your body. This isn't something that's going to make you feel shaky or like overly energized. What I feel like is I get the most benefit in that very last round of my workout when I'm exhausted and I feel like I just can't do one more, whatever it is yoga pose, last round in my hit. I'm exhausted. I'm sweaty. I have no more endurance. This stuff really, really helps. And Beat Elite is trusted by hundreds of elite teams, athletes, and organizations all over the world. So you know you're getting a top-notch performance product without all of the junky additives in it. My husband even takes this now before he goes to his jujitsu classes, and he absolutely loves it. So do what I did and take your game to the next level with Beat Elite by going to livehuman.com reality to get 20% off your first purchase. The team at Human is making this offer exclusive to my listeners only. You will not find a deal like this anywhere else. That's livehuman, H-U-M-A-N.com slash reality. Livehuman.com slash reality. I talked to a lot of my girlfriends and models and stuff about their relationships with their dads. Mm. Um, One in particular just posted a photo. So like this is, again, this why this is such a complex thing. So she was a straight size model at 14, um, 5'10", and she was a six, size six. 
And all the agencies were measuring her and telling her she's too big. And she started, like, dressing in baggy clothes, obviously developed an eating disorder because at that time, like you said, it's so, like, it's such a strong developmental phase in your life in junior high. Like, we can remember one memory from junior high feels like freaking yesterday. I can't even remember what happened two months ago. I'm like, I have no idea. No, but I can remember the day I felt complete shame about my body and my hair. What was it? My... Body was, um, I always had like a little bit of a, like a pooch above my swimsuit, despite the fact that I was a super active cheerleader and dancer, like I could not get rid of it. And it was probably the food I was eating now that I know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was probably addicted to sugar from a really early age because that was my first addiction before I turned to the hard stuff. So I always had this little pooch and I remember we were at Catalina and it was seventh grade and all of my friends were like stick figures and I remember going like I don't and I just got in my period I had no idea how to wear a tampon Mm -hmm. so I was like freaking out about all this stuff and I just felt really really embarrassed and then also I started straightening my hair in fifth grade because I have really curly hair and I felt so uncomfortable because all of my friends who were like super cute I also grew up I don't want to say I was poor but like lower middle income for a lot of my childhood in a very wealthy area. Mm -hmm. So I always felt weird because I was wearing clothes from like TJ Maxx and the Goodwill and all of my other friends were wearing clothes All the places I shop at currently. (laughs) (laughs) But all of these girls were shopping at Nordstrom and Bloomingdale's and had the seven jeans and all of these things. I remember when they would all have their bat mitzvahs and have the little... And I'm digressing right now, but um, Louis Vuitton bags, they got all those little ones. And my mom was like, we're not buying you that. Like, I can't afford that. Um, But anyway... That's such I a didn't contrast. want to get in the water because my hair would get curly and I didn't have my straightening iron because we were at like wilderness camp. And I remember just feeling so deflated and I didn't go snorkeling with all of my friends in the water because I was afraid to get my hair wet and to be seen in a bikini. Well, let's, <laughs> let's talk about moms for a second. Yeah. Because so through again, through this study of when I was like, how, how did it get to be like this? Like, mm-hmm. because nothing was making effing sense to me. I was like, I was manipulated to think I was disgusting, to think my body was gross, to think I literally thought no one would ever love me. How crazy is that, that I literally believed that? And like, so once I became conscious to go, wait, there's a reason why I believed this and, and went down that road. And it really comes down to the female role. So you'll find this to be interesting, especially from your mom's time. So In, I think it was 1964, it's either 1964 or 1969, Vogue decided to uh, launch what they called the nude look. So it was the first time they ever showed nude women in their magazine. What's fascinating about this was it was actually coming off the Industrial Revolution. So women, when men went away to war, women for the first time felt free enough to get naked. They, They went out. No, not even that. They went out into the workplace. They went into factories. They were driving trucks. They were doing things they were never allowed to do, and they had an identity outside of the home. So when you study this, what happened was they realized, well, this is a threat to the men coming back because they're losing their space. So they needed to create some kind of messaging to get women to go back into the household role because they were being too empowered and too liberated. And it was throwing off the the whole structure of society at that time. So they partnered with Vogue. And when you say they, right, like you're like, who is they? And it's a, that's complex because there's a lot of people making decisions at the top that control media. And it was a lot smaller at the time than it is now, you know, it's coming down to like, who are these few people? But it's people that are making the most money. So when they went in and said, okay, we need a partner, what's the only outlet for women's content at the time was Vogue. So you see a drastic shift from 1964. And the cover of the magazine is fashion for everyone around the world. 1969, it was plastic surgery for every part of your face and body. So, and that was when they started highlighting the female body and being nude and almost perfecting the body. Because if your focus was solely on that, and if you look at the female role in that time, you had to be married. In order to afford that. Right. No, you had to be married to survive. Okay. Yeah. Well, to survive. So, because you, you could go out and try and be a secretary But again, they're really pushing women back into like, well, the men are back now, so you need to know your space. So to take women and go, oh, I need to focus on looking good so that I can get a husband, so I'm Mm. taking care of. So when you think about the things that when your mom says 
crazy shit to you just generally because every mom says crazy shit to us at some point. And we will say crazy <laughs> shit to our kids. I'm working on, on <laughs> working trying to correct on trying that. to correct it. Um, I know. It's so hard. But my grandmother's a perfect example. Like yeah. she said to my mom, my grandmother's 90. My mom has got her PhD, has been running, she's a hospital administrator, um, did this as a single mom with two kids. Like I have no idea how the hell she did this. But so she was that role model for me to be like, look, it's not easy, but it's you can accomplish yeah. whatever you want. And my grandmother still said to her, because my mom and dad got divorced when I was little. My mom's been single for the, most of her adult life. And she still said to her the other day, like, I really thought you'd be married by now. And she's mm. never once acknowledged, like, all of her accomplishments. It literally, her whole identity of value is like her being married because that was the world my grandmother knew. That's the subconscious belief my grandmother had. The yeah. only thing that makes you okay is if, if you have married. a man. Yeah. And so she can't comprehend that my mom doesn't need a husband. My mom can fully be independent. So when she says those comments, it's not to be hurtful. She actually thinks she's helping. And so by understanding the role, the female role at that time of, of your mothers and your grandmothers and you now is an important element to what we're discussing. Because right now we have an opportunity to create our own role and we're really struggling to figure out where we fit. And that's why we fall you know, into this body conversation so much because that's what we're being told is who we are. And so then we're like, but I don't want to just be that. But then when you try to be something else, you get no encouragement or validation there. So it's really this like, you know, confusing time for women and for girls. I really, really want to dive into um, the history of women's bodies because we yeah. think that celebrating um, curvy women in 2020 is like such a cool thing and a new thing and that it's the only time it's ever happened. But when I saw your video on this, I was like, we have to dive into <laughs> yeah. this. Um, yeah. And I wish we had all the time in the world to talk about this, but let's just kind of do like a condensed sure. version because I think it's important for people to realize that just because you're showing off your curves in 2020 doesn't mean that it's like some new thing. No, absolutely not. Like actually it's, it's just history repeats itself. And that's why it's really important that we have these conversations because whether it's the cigarettes or body positivity, like our empowerment is going to be associated to social acts and products. And until we take ownership of defining what that is for us and really like combing through a lot of this information to understand how history does repeat, we're not really independent. Because knowledge is power. We're not saying yeah. that the you know that you can't have models that that show off uh no. beauty products or anything like that. It's that you need to know that you're mm. being targeted. Right. And you can buy products, right? Like so this is the thing. We love products, but but are you being lied to and are you being manipulated? And one of the things when it comes to the, the skinny beauty ideal um, and why that was so powerful was because it was synonymous with everything that you're repressing about yourself. So when we list out and when I do lectures, I'll list out we did we had like 900 girls from a sorority. We're like, what does a perfect ideal woman look like? in today's time. There's literally 400 things on this list. Everything you can possibly imagine, you know, it's it's absurd. And you're like, this is physically impossible. And so what do these things represent? What do we get if we look like this perfect woman? And it's like happiness, followers, success, love, attention, um, confidence. So, you know, we talk about um, self-control because if you don't, if you don't control your body, then you're out of control. Like it went on and on and you're like, okay, so now what do we get if we look like a Victoria's Secret model? And it's all the same shit. Oh, you get the promised happiness. You get the attention, success. Everyone loves you. Your life's perfect. But now we're seeing all these things come out about Victoria's Secret and the shit these models have been living with and going through behind the scenes. It is awful. So the reality again of what we look at and try to be versus what it actually is has been an illusion. So when we look at the history of beauty ideals, we're like, okay, let's go back. You know, I started back at like ancient Greece and you look at what these women looked like and then it goes all the way up to now. So let's say even in the Renaissance time, like it was full voluptuous women. What did that represent? It represented money because you could yeah, eat. eat. You had mm -hmm. money to eat. It represented royalty. So you were higher status. And then it also made you more valuable for men to want to marry you because they wanted all of those things. So again, the beauty ideal of what you your body represents to men as, as far as being married and owned as a, as a woman is what the whole point of beauty ideals was for. So even in a lot of Asian and African cultures where they wore rings around their necks, 
to make their necks longer, that was a symbol of beauty. And that was a symbol of, oh, if, if you had the most rings, you got a higher dowry when you got married. There's also African cultures that have fat camps where they take these young girls and they put them in these camps where they force feed them goat's milk and lard, basically. And they, they pinch their feet between sticks if they throw up to get them as fat as possible so that the men want to marry them. And you're like, this is happening in today's time, like right now. Then you have China where they bound women's feet because it was it was a turn on to men to have these tiny little feet bound. They break your bones and your feet, wrap them so you can fit in like three inch shoes, like baby shoes. And that was a huge turn on to men. And you're like, oh my gosh. So if you're consciously looking at these beauty ideals and for us right now going, hell no, I would never break the bones of my feet to please some guy. Why the hell are you going to starve yourself and and literally die on the inside? Just eat the fucking tacos. <laughs> yeah. And then on the opposite side, why are you going to justify your size if you don't like it and you don't feel good? Mm-hmm. You don't have to stay stagnant because of what social, like, because of what your social media group tells you to do. And I get women writing me every day. And this is why I talked about this issue, because if women are writing you privately about the same topic, that's a problem. That means they are, they're not allowed to speak about it. And it's something as simple as, I really want to get healthy. And now everyone's telling me, that I don't I have healthy, to. That it's not good. Yeah, yeah, I don't have to do that. I can stay the same. I can love myself the way I am. And you're like, whoa, guys, like this is never what it was intended no. to be. And I represent 80 models that are all different sizes. I have never once told a single model what size to be. I've never even mentioned it. There's nothing wrong with wanting to work out and get healthy and lift weights and be strong. There is nothing wrong with that. And so if you're feeling like I'm not healthy, I know that when I was nearly 200 pounds, I felt terrible. It wasn't that I didn't love my body. It was that I literally felt sick and I didn't feel good. And I wasn't I I knew that I wasn't healthy. I knew that my insulin levels weren't healthy. I knew that my uh, body felt weak all the time. What was was your mental state at that time? Like what was going on in your life? uh, I was postpartum Mm -hmm. and in the midst of postpartum depression and had an emergency C-section. So you had some other things going on. A lot of (laughs) things going on. And so I didn't really, I wasn't really focused on losing the weight, which is fine. And and a paparazzi took a picture of me and my daughter, and I'll never remember. I still look at that picture and see the pain on my face, and I feel for who I was. I feel mm-hmm. that pain because I'm like, man, that was hard. That was really hard. Don't you think we need that? Like this is, and I think this is what's strange about this conversation of like, sometimes we need to to make peace with ourselves at that stage as part of the process to go, this was me, this was, I needed this to come to terms with what I want. I needed this to feel like I love myself and I'm not at my best, but I don't have to hate myself. I'm just going to figure it out. And my life got turned upside down. When you have kids, your life gets turned upside down. Like, holy crap, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to adjust to. And I'm that still one, adjusting. Yeah. My youngest is almost four. I'm freaking adjusting. Yes. <laughs> We're adjusting. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. that's, that's that's a beautiful part of the story. It doesn't have to be the low point of the story. Yeah. And I think that's how we have to start looking at it. Well, I always talk about how your pain becomes your your purpose or yeah. it can become, you know, the, the, the best thing that ever happened to you. And so while, you know, it, it feels bad, there's something there that needs to be worked through. Yeah. And that's when it all comes back to mental health and talking yep. about our feelings. And But if we and, can't talk openly about these no. things and we, if we we're can't policing. Say, I didn't feel good yep. when I was fat. If I can't say that without offending you, mm-hmm. that's a problem. It is a problem. And it has nothing to do with me. And it has everything to do with the shit that's been shoved down your throat right. as a reaction, mm-hmm. you know, to the old beauty standards. Yeah. That is a reaction to the, the old way. And it's a wound. And I feel that and I get it. But that's my truth is that mm-hmm. I didn't feel good at 190 pounds. I, I still feel like I could be like healthier right now. You mm-hmm. know, like I know that I could be working out now and be doing more things and all that stuff. And, and that's fine. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not to say I just want to be skinnier, but to say I didn't feel good when I was fat. Yes. You, you, you nailed it. It's, it's been a, it's a difference to say, I want to live better 
mm-hmm. instead of I want to be a size two. And that's that's the whole yeah. the whole purpose of healthy as a new skinny was. And living better doesn't mean uh, you know, starving yourself. No. I mean, ca- the truth is in order to lose weight, you're going to have to be in a calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to clean up your diet. You're going to have to work out. But right? even that is like, oh my God. I, I know I'm going to get shit. shit. I don't fucking care. <laughs> but it's I don't science. Care. It's, that's it's the facts. science and that's the truth. <laughs> but is. I'm not saying we should deplete ourselves. And I eat 1900 <laughs> calories a day yeah. and I, that's plenty of food and I feel great. I posted the other day Jesus. about you know, because what I was saying was when no one ever taught me nutrition, like literally I didn't even know, like when I met my husband, I met him at my biggest size. And he was like, you're the most gorgeous girl I've ever seen. Like we just fell in love instantly. Mm. And he was a personal trainer and he's a fit body. He's his half, his, his dad is black. His mom is white. He is a ripped body. My daughter's built exactly like him. I wanted a fat baby. I got a Fitzbo baby. She came out with abs and shoulder muscles. I got my oh, fix so baby, and then I got my roll, roll, oh. rolls, and she really is. I want to roll And I love poly. it so much. She's growing out of it now because she's almost oh. four. But, um, yeah, I want you to finish that, and then I want to end with what we can be teaching our daughters yes. and sons. Yes. Well, so with that, I was just working out recently and was saying, hey, if someone had given me this basic information, holy crap, my life would have been changed so much sooner. And it's not diets. Like diets are built to confuse people. It's actually super freaking simple with yeah. what you said. Um, it's calories in, yeah. calories out. Yeah. And, and making good choices wanna, and for those. For those. Yes. And eating more nutritious foods and trying yeah. to get closer to the ground. And like we said in the beginning of this, we know it's harder when you're under um, financial stress. Yeah. You know? Or you don't have family support. Like that was the hardest thing. Support, I have yeah. such a great support system and I'm so like man for people I think that's what online does for people it makes them feel like they have a support system but they have to understand they don't and you have to build that in your real life and the way you do that is by going hey this is how I want to be and you start putting yourself in an environment with other people who want to be like that. I just made a friend had workout class yesterday because we were laughing our asses off because we couldn't do this one ab exercise. And then we like came friends. Like that's how you build community. And we don't teach young women how to do that because every time they speak out about something, everyone like attacks them. So in the real world, they just sit quiet. And I see it in these young girls when I go to these universities. They freaking ghost me so hard. Like it takes me 30 minutes to warm them up to join the conversation with exercises that I have to do. Otherwise, they will sit quiet the whole time. And that's not how we're going to have women in leadership. That's not how we're going to have women in positions of power that are making laws for us, that are making sure that we have equal rights. We have to recognize that this is a serious thing. And not one's right or wrong, but that for the women that are seeking those positions in the real world, they need a different kind of support system and they need different messaging of empowerment that fits their reality That is very different than influencer reality. So that's all we're talking about. Um, But as far as like what we do for our girls, like, oh, this is where my heart is. And honestly, having a daughter made me so fearless. Like when people come for me, I don't care because I look at her face and I'm like, that's the only thing that matters to me is this girl right here. You can hate me all you want, but like I'm her mom for a reason. And I have to do this regardless of what anyone says about it, because I will be damned if I let her grow up thinking that's how she has to express herself to the world. Like she needs more options than that. And that's the work we're doing with our models because they're normal women too. They have these same issues, these same complex conversations behind the scenes. And we're trying to help them navigate it to say, this is the industry you're in. You are going to be seen as just a pretty object. You aren't. You're a woman. You're a real person. How to navigate the business and still being true to yourself is something no one has ever stopped to even acknowledge that we need help with and that everyone's experience with that is going to be very different. And so that's what we have to do is we have to say, hey, this is important and this is a need and we can have this conversation. And if you don't want to be a part of it, that's okay too. But the women that are ready for it, like we have to put it out there and our daughters are watching and they're listening And that's why I do what I do, even if people, it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. With my kids, you know, I do emphasize, and I know that this is also going to get backlash, uh, healthy choices versus unhealthy choices, Mm -hmm. and that we need to keep our bodies active and moving because that's how we were supposed to, you know, that's how we developed here. We were travelers. We never, like, were sediment sitting in one spot and staying, you know, put. And we weren't meant to be inside we all day either. We weren't meant to be inside all day either. So I don't care what they want to do. They can do whatever they yeah. want. 
But those are going to be my two things. You know, I let, of course, it's not like I'm like, you can't have the cake at the birthday party. Yeah. But it's like, okay, if you're going to do that, then before we need to eat some protein and vegetables. Mm -hmm. That's what we do too. And we say, she says, mom, can I have candy? And she's like, but I eat my healthy food first. And I'm like, that's right. And that's fine. And it's balance. And I expect them to eat a certain amount of healthy food before they can have the junk. I don't deprive them of sweets or deprive them of the birthday party or having pizza at the birthday party or whatever it might be. It's just, you know, the, the idea that the solution to eating disorder, that the solution to, um, to obesity is to not talk about healthy choices or working out and just accepting. What's your take on, uh, intuitive eating? I think this is like also a very all or nothing mentality that doesn't make sense for me. It doesn't make sense for me either. I mean, I'm a person, I don't even, people ask me all the time, what do you eat? I'm a person who has worked really, had to work really hard at healing their gut because of the amount of antibiotics that I've been on in my life. And um, because of my heroin addiction, Mm -hmm. I really destroyed my um, gut. And I've dealt with IBS for many years because, well, it all started after I got an HPV vaccine, actually. Wow. And um, what happened... I'll save you guys the gory details, but um, it all started then and then it just continued to get worse and worse. Um, So for me, um, I stick to a closer like paleo diet. I do Mm -hmm. eat beans. I uh, avoid grains and uh, refined sugars, but I eat, you know, maple syrup. My husband's Canadian. (laughs) There's no, you know, and and things like that. And I have my treats and all this stuff. Um, I... I don't know. I don't think one diet works for anybody. And I really don't like talking. I'll just say this. I eat at least 1,900 calories a day. I know that. I don't restrict my food. Um, I do intermittent fast for health reasons three days a week, not because I want to lose weight, but just not that I even have to fucking justify that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that but, structure is the same thing as restriction. And mm, I think that that's getting confused yes. and lost to say yes, because a lot I saw of us need this, structure. I saw this whole thing about how intermittent fasting is just skipping a meal. And it's like, no, it's not because I still eat 1900 calories yeah. in the yeah. hours yeah. <laughs> that I'm eating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and I, I deal with a lot of girls. And what's interesting when you're talking eating disorders, the vast majority of eating disorders is binge eating disorder, which people mm-hmm. misconstrue. So they think yes. it's anorexia. It's actually no. not. It's that was my eating. thing. It was binge. Mm-hmm. and then starve and then right. binge and then starve right. and then binge and then starve and there was no balance right. and I only say the amount of calories and that's a fucking guess oh of course all I'm saying is that I don't restrict when I'm hungry I eat yeah. and I eat as close to the ground as possible and pray to God that my stomach doesn't get upset yeah and when I talk to the girls that are dealing with binge eating they're really struggling with that messaging of like just eat what you want any like whenever you want and you're like you know you really have to put it in context of someone mm-hmm. who's addicted to alcohol when you're talking about addiction like that's yeah. like somebody who's addicted to alcohol and you saying just have one drink and then listen to your body and, and like you whatever it would see if you want another one like the person who's addicted to sugar is gonna yes. go eat what you want and they're gonna wake up and they're gonna have waffles and they're gonna have a right. smoothie and their insulin's gonna spike and then they're gonna right. crash a couple of hours later and then they're gonna want more sugar and then they're gonna crash and they're gonna want more sugar and they're gonna crash and guess what? We're not assholes for talking about this. No. And you need, and they need structure. Like, so if you have addiction, you need a plan, you need support, you need structure, and then you need to develop a new way of interacting with that. And food is so difficult because you can go without drinking. You can't go without eating. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's really, really important that people go, this works for me. And as long as you find out what works for you, stop commenting on what everyone else is doing. Because when people ask me what I eat online, I'm like, I'm, I don't talk about my diet online. crazy and like women have you can push healthy food you cook I don't care about that but I don't talk about specific diets no I I don't don't think that's helpful well also because again the women who have felt personally victimized throughout childhood by people commenting on their body or commenting on what they eat they're the ones now commenting on what everyone else is doing and being like don't do that your diet culture there you're this it's the same behavior and now there's more policing of women's choices and bodies than there ever has been before and that's this is again the opposite of what we and all this wanted. Is what we're talking about the pendulum swinging. Yes. So let's find balance, some balance. And I'm be your be free to think for yourself mm-hmm. and know that like even though people are going to come for you, it's it's you're allowed to be and own what you are. Yeah. And 
as a woman, everyone's going to come for you. Like, honestly, and the more successful you are, the worse it gets. I hate to break it to you. That was something Mm -hmm. I wish somebody would have warned me of because you're naive as hell. And you're just like, I have a dream. I'm going to work hard and people are going to support me. No, they're not. So Taylor Swift's a perfect example of this. I loved that documentary. I'm like a big fan now after watching it. Yep. And I realized I would never want to be famous ever. Mm. Like, uh, (laughs) like, fuck that. I'm sorry. But like, it is brutal. And like the mental health component of that, I can't. So like, again, it, when we start seeing reality, we start going, oh, that's not for me. Oh, this is, that's not what I thought. And we begin to find joy in the simple things like motherhood and being a wife and having friendships and all of these amazing things. I'm so grateful for you coming on the podcast today. Such an enlightening conversation and you're just such a gem. Where can everybody find you? Um, Only if you're going to be nice. You can (laughs) find me. Just kidding. Um, Unhealthy is the new skinny is uh, on Instagram. So that's our like fitness and and fun page. We are, we're body neutral is what we call it. We're not in the body positive category. We try to focus more on mental health. We focus, we like to be funny. Like (laughs) fitness is funny. Um, And we just have like a fun group of women. We get hikes together in LA. We just did one, one day notice. We'll have to do that. Yeah, we had 20 women show up. Love it. And we're really working on again, like how can we, when we're healing these wounds within ourselves, it makes us want, it makes us want to live in a more meaningful way. So we're mm-hmm. working on how we can give back as a group and getting creative with charities around LA and things like that. And then my personal page is Katie H. Wilcox. And that's just like me and my family and just like normal shit that we do. Yeah. Um, and then Natural Models is for our Curve Agency. This week's affirmation is, I am successful in all of my endeavors. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at recoveringfromreality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com. 